This is Mike Roth. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we're going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs, and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspective of what's happening here in the villages and information that I think all villagers should have. We hope to add a new episode every Friday morning at 9 o'clock. I'm back with Jack O'Brien. And we're talking about his book, which is The Roundabout Way. The roundabouts are very extremely common here in the villages. In fact, some people even complain about them. <laughs> but I kind of love them because there are very few traffic lights as opposed to operating on city streets. And for moderate to light traffic, they're far more efficient in getting you from point A to point B than traffic lights where I grew up especially. Some of the stories in your book, did you put verifiable facts into your stories? Yes, I did. In some cases, the facts are there to make the fictional part more believable, to frame it. Um, you know, I have a story, for example, one of my favorite stories is about a guy named Tedious Jones. And Tedious is, a, is a, probably the world's best jazz pianist ever. And he lives in the villages. And by the way, none of this is true. And um, he grew up in a place called Royal, which is true, and is very close to the villages. And Royal was a settlement uh, of ex-slaves who were given their land, 40 acres and a mule, by General Sherman after he raised Atlanta and came down here to Florida. Mm -hmm. So I was able to mix in this story about, his, about um, T.D.S. Jones's heritage and in fact, his mother meets a, a famous person, let's say, and meeting this famous person changes her life and he, she passes that legacy on to him. So he turns out to be a very successful jazz pianist, very talented man, and he has a nice family here. And this tells the story about, about him and uh, his uh, love of music and uh, love of family. So... By surrounding my tale with real stories and real facts, things that really happened, it, I think, adds a dimension to how the many, story. How many different stories are there in the book? It looks like it's got about 250 or 300 pages. That's yeah, almost 300 pages. There are about 24 stories. The initial story explains the title, uh, The Roundabout Way. So it's, it's in there more as a, as a, a foreword to the book. Mm -hmm. But the roundabout way has a double meaning. As you point out, it's iconic in the villages. The roundabout is everywhere. And the other point is that as we age, sometimes it's difficult to explain the things that we experience. So in a way, I, I wanted my book to be all the things you don't know how to tell your kids about getting older. And, you know, that could be a, a wide variety of stuff. And sometimes it, you have to say it in a roundabout way. Mm -hmm. So um, that, was the, that was the source of the, of the title. Mm -hmm. uh, your experience in radio, were you on the air DJ? Yeah, I started as a DJ. Uh, I was 15 and, and pitched an idea for a show to a local station. And son of a gun, they accepted it mm -hmm. and found a sponsor for it. And I one day found myself sitting there at the board, at the control board, uh, sweating profusely and wondering what the heck had I done? <laughs> and uh, uh, it just, it got better and better though. I enjoyed it 
just tremendously. And it was, it was fun to learn how to think on your feet. It was fun to handle the, uh, um, the, the technology at the time, you know, this it's all probably cartridges. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was tape track. cartridges and, and, uh, quarter inch, um, real, 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 real tapes. And you had to, you had to be pretty fast with your hand eye coordination to, uh, to produce a, a show. And, you know, a lot of that's changed now. When I look in the window down at uh, Lake Sumter Landing, they're pushing buttons and the computer has everything in order. So it's it's much different. I would think it. they hopefully have made it easier to mm-hmm. do. Yeah, and they put more work on the back, back end guy. And that's right. In production. The pre-production. Yes, yes. But so, then, then I, I went from that into uh, managing the station. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so what influence did being in radio have on the way you wrote your book? I think it had a great influence on my dialogue because being in radio, you know, it's all spoken word. So you have to really listen to how people handle conversations. How do people really sound? And so many writers uh, will write a dialogue that may be stilted or they might have difficulty switching from one to from one kind of an accent. For example, if I'm in my book, for example, I'm writing about a guy who's from Ireland so I need to express his speech in a way that sounds like he might be, he might have an Irish accent, and uh, or there's a, there's another occasion where there's a, a, a story called Lunch with a Bear, and this uh, the woman who has lunch with a bear uh, has a well, southern she accent. Lunch for the bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was fearless. She's quite a woman, and uh, that's another thing about my characters. They're all people that I'd like to know. Do the characters transcend stories and go into from one story to the next? I haven't done that yet, but it some of the locations transcend the stories. There's a location called Strawberry Swamp that I've created. I I, I was kind of uh, laughing at one point uh, about all the crazy names that they're using in their naming convention for the villages. Hmm. The village of Chitty Chatty. For example, you know. Yes, I met someone last night from Chitty Chatty. Yeah, and it's a very nice village. I mean, yeah, it's one of the few that only has one entrance and exit. Yeah, it's very unusual. And if you get to the end of it, you think to yourself, "I, I just have to go back the way I got came in. I can't, right. can't see any other way out." Well, where is a name? Where would a name like that come from? Well, there might have been a creek nearby or something that it took its name from. But I thought it's kind of crazy. So uh, I'm going to come up with a name that is. Kind of nice and sweet, but also kind of like what? <laughs> so that's where Strawberry Swamp came from. Oh, okay. This, this neighborhood on the on the maps is called Bamboo. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's a invi- uh, that's an invasive plant. So <laughs> who knows what was here I, yeah, forty years I, ago? At least they didn't call it poison ivy or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as as a self publisher. I'm sure you didn't hire a separate marketing company to help you market your book. You, you probably figured you knew it all. So That's has right. your marketing experience helped you sell more copies of the book? I don't think it did, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Confessions of an yeah, ad agency executive. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. This is a unique product. and It's a whole different kind of animal that I hadn't uh, handled before. I had no experience. Nobody paid me to to go to school on their product and and learn how to do it. But I did 
I, I was able to, because of my experience, look at this marketplace and understand it, I think, uh, better than someone who didn't have the experience. So I had some idea about um, what would sell, where to go. Um, you know, for example, I went to, to Barnes and Noble and, and um, I, I told them, I said, I just want to introduce myself. Um, I've written a book. This was just before Christmas. And it's about the villages. And I understand that I may not be able to get the book in here, but I wanted to come by and, and offer myself to do any readings or book signings or anything. And the woman said, let me see the book. And I showed it to her. And she said, we want this book. <laughs> so, you know, uh, one of the lessons that I learned in, in the advertising business is you've got to do the work. You've got to hit the ground. You've got to walk into places. You've got to, you've got to be willing to sell and, and talk to people and understand what their needs are. And, and it works for this product like it does for other products. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in that way, I think the experience helps. Have you used social media at all to sell the book? Yes, I did. When I launched the book, I had a website, which is down right now because it needs to be up, needs to be revamped. I used Facebook and created a uh, an identity on Facebook for the purpose of promoting the book, and it helped. It does. It does. Uh, yeah, it, it made a big difference. And a Twitter account mm -hmm. for the book, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, My daughter published her own uh, book about almost two years ago now. Yeah. And... She has stayed with the social media and promoting the book, talking about the book. And most weeks, she's got something on the web about the book. Yeah. And uh, she's sold 6,000 copies of it, I think. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. For self-pub... I'm going to call it a semi-self-published book. Mm -hmm. She hired a uh, internet self-published consultant to work with her yeah. to help her get the book out there and... She collaborated with a couple of people, and uh, it's led to some television appearances. And oh well, that's that's really smart. You know, work with the professionals, people who are in this industry, and who have a track record. I, I think that's really smart. Mm -hmm. What's the single biggest thing that you've learned, Jack, from writing your book? I, I, I when you said that, I immediately thought about content rather than marketing. And I think what I learned about content is you have to drop your ego. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you're you're going to write a book and it's going to last beyond your years. Mm -hmm. Somewhere it'll exist. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. But if you really want it to be quality, if you really want it to be good and you want people to read the stories and think to themselves, that had value to me. That was worth reading then you've got to be willing to listen to other people. So when I when I go to my critique group and they say, you know, you may like this line, you may think it's emotional and poetic and meaningful, we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be willing to kill it. Okay. Yeah. So content is king. It right. is, that's right. Good, good. And uh, your wife wrote five books. I know she's not here with us. Uh, were they also self-published? Uh, yes, they are. They're chapbooks, which in poetry means that um, she went to a, um, a publisher who works with poets, and she paid a little bit of money to get it printed. And then they have a relationship with the, where the um, uh, publisher says, you know, we will pre-print a certain quantity, and then you can buy these from us and resell them 
will stock them, and we will also try to sell them ourselves. So she's been very successful. In fact, one of her books um, that was written when she was in Pittsburgh is uh, in the uh, Pittsburgh History Museum's collection in the Smithsonian Institution with a Library of Congress book number. So uh, she's done very well uh, with her with her writing. Doesn't your book have a Library of Congress book number? It has a, an ISBN number that was assigned by... Yeah, here it is on the back, this barcode. Yeah, it's a barcode. Yeah. But, but there's no, no Library of Congress number? No, I, I don't think Congress knows... Only the IRS knows I exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> they want to check your tax return. Yeah, that's right. So many hundreds of thousands of copies that, have sold. That's right. They don't believe it was 500. I know they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack, this book w- w- would have to be ruled as successful for you. Are you planning to write a sequel to it? I'm thinking about a sequel, and I've written some stories in case I get to that point. I'm working on another totally different kind of uh, book now, a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm partial to these stories, and and uh, as time goes on and I get some additional ideas, I'm, I'm collecting them and writing them up and presenting them to the critique group. So, yeah, I, I may very well do that. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for being with us, Jack. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Mike. Good. Remember, our next episode will air live next Friday at 9 a.m., or should I say pre-recorded, but that's when it will be released on our regular subscriptions. Bonus subscribers can get early access to episodes. Should you want to become a sponsor of the show, contact me at MikeRoth at RothVoice.com. If you know someone that you think should be on the show, send me an email at Mike at rothvoice.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyright by Roth Voice 2022, all rights reserved.